This is our third week of this series called Reframe, where we're literally uh, allowing God's Word to reframe, reorient, reposition our minds, our thoughts, and our words, and ultimately our actions as we become doers of the Word and not hearers only. Amen? So let's get into God's Word. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, So I'm not going to lay a lot of background. I'm not going to do a lot of review because you can pick that up on podcast, which is now working. We've got that glitch worked out on the site. So you can go to the site. You can either listen to the messages right there on the site, or you can go and actually do the podcast through iTunes. So we encourage you to do that to get the background on this. All right, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to look at verse 26, and it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Someone say dominion. Dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We have dominion over all creeps. Amen? (laughs) So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, the Imago Dei. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're blessed. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're empowered to succeed. That's what the word blessed means. Cursed means empowered to fail. But you are empowered to succeed. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a winner. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. You can keep it going. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and subdue it. Someone needs to subdue some stuff. Amen. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Is there another one, Randall? Okay, I thought so. And God said, see, I've given you every herb and that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Someone say, I'm dominating. Verse 30, also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Say, it was so. so. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. I'm liking that. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word, and we give your word first place in our life today. We honor it. We allow it to have weight, to have credibility and validity into our lives. We allow the Word of God to weigh into our lives. God, reframe our thinking. Reframe our speaking. Reframe our doing. Father, may we be doers of this Word and not hearers only. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, for every person hearing this, whether it's right here, right now, whether it's by podcast are on the site, Lord. Father, literally, that we would become good ground to receive the seed of your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. I mean, high five somebody on the way down. Quickly, let me give you a definition of reframe. I'm going to go very quick through just this review section because we have a lot of scripture. How many think it's okay to preach out of the Bible these days? We know that the word works, but... You have to work the word. Now, I'm not going to give my big 10-minute disclaimer like I did the last two weeks because if you've been here with us in this series, you know that I'm talking about right motives, right heart, right intentions before God. Amen? Reframe means the ability to reorient and or rethink 
the way you see your current situation so that you now see, experience, and engage your challenge as an opportunity to grow, expand, and succeed. How many think that sounds like a winner there? So we're talking about reframing, reorienting everything we see, everything we say, and everything we do. The word works, but you have to work the word. And we're learning how to work this word. God would not have given us this word. He would not have told us that all the promises in Christ are yes and amen. And he would not have given us all these great and precious promises if he didn't intend for them to work. Can I get an amen? Now, we understand the timing is up to God, but there are things that have been promised to us in this word whereby we now have to contend for them. We now have to stand for them and we have to fight what? The good fight of faith. The good fight. You know what a good fight is? It's a fight that you win. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're winning this fight. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're still standing. You know how I know you're all still standing is because you're here. God has, the enemy has not taken you out yet. Amen. That big old fat lady has not sung her song yet. Can I get an amen? The metaphorical proverbial fat lady. I still don't get that unless it's maybe the end of an opera or something. Somebody can enlighten me later. All right. Week one, we talked about having a renewed mind and we talked about the battlefield of the mind. That, that you've got to have your mind reoriented. Proverbs 23, 7 says this. For as he, a man, thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are you thinking? Where's your mind been lately? What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? How do you see yourself? What does the mirror say back to you? And then last week we talked about no fear here. No fear here. There is no fear in this thing. Now look at Second Second Timothy one seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. We know that fear is a spirit. It's funny how we miss that. Oh well, you know it's normal for everybody to be afraid. It's normal. It's common. Does that make it right for a Christ follower to live in, dwell in, abide in fear? He says you've not been given a spirit of fear, but now look what we have been given: spirit of power and a spirit of love. In the spirit of a sound mind, sound thinking, okay? So we've got a renewed mind and we've got this ability to dispel fear because perfect love, what? Casts out all fear, whole love, God's kind of love. Now let me give you some truth nuggets. Your mindset determines your life set. How you think in your mind is how you will be in life. You leak out what you're full of. Here's another one. Where the mind goes, the man will follow. Where is your mind going? Because wherever your mind is going, that is where you're going. Amen? Here's another one. Fear and faith cannot coexist. They are mutually exclusive. Faith is positive. It's powerful. It moves mountains. Fear is negative faith. And it literally negates the ability for faith to work. When fear is present, I am too big. And God is too small. Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, no, no. I'm not talking about what you're going through. And I'm not talking about your current circumstance. I'm talking about what God's word tells us. That when we allow fear to rule and master us, we have become way too big. And God, we've made God way too small. Can I get an amen? 
Let's do something different. Stand up. Put your shoes back on. I was just thinking about this this morning as I was thinking about the Word of God and thinking about the power of God's Word over circumstances, over situations that arise. And I thought, you know, we haven't done this in a long time, but there's something about declarations, about confessions that are powerful. Can I get an amen? Amen. On Wednesday night, we practiced what we preached, what I preached, and we, we just did, we just ripped off a bunch of confessions. And my gosh, we nearly had revival right at the end of a Wednesday night service. It revived some hearts. So here's what we're going to do. Now, I used to do this, and let me just say this before I even do it. Now, those of you who've watched Joel Osteen, I don't have anything against Joel. I kind of like his hair. He's got a great smile. I like Joel. He's done amazing things. But let me tell you something. Joel is simply reaping what his father sowed. His father was an amazing, amazing man of God, a man of faith. And his father never had a large mega church. Yet his, in his legacy, his destiny, when he handed it off, when he passed away and Joel took the reins, God said, it's time for harvest. So, so I believe that. So when we say what we're about to say, let me just say it's not original with Joel, with the son. This is original with his daddy, Daddy Osteen. And he used to hold up his Bible before every service. Now, Joel does it as well. But I like it. I don't care how corny it sounds to you. Frankly, I don't care how corny this sounds to anybody. When, I, when we make declarations about God's word, let me tell you something. There is power released. Can I get an amen? amen. Everybody say, I love, I love Coach, Jimmy. Coach Jimmy. All right, I'm a coach today, so just I'm going to treat you like a player. And sometimes when a player gets knocked down, the coach says, oh, come over here and let me bandage you. No, he says, get back out on the field and hit somebody. So I'm going to coach you today. So if I sound a little harsh, if you're a guest here, we welcome you. But I'll let you know that today you're going to be treated like family. Amen. And so here's what we do. Hold up your Bible and say this. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I understand that one word from God can change my life, will change my life, forever. I'll never be the same. No, never, never. No, never, ever. In Jesus' name, somebody shouted, amen and amen. Now you can be seated. Yeah, those people at Grace Point, crazy, crazy. Now we're going to talk today, we're going to go... If we're not careful, we'll be too cool for old school. And we can get ourselves in trouble when we think in terms, because in America, we're, we're real big into fads. We're real big into what's current. I mean, we're to the point now. Now, listen, I came out of a mainline denominational church. I mean, conservative. And let me tell you something. We sang songs that were hundreds of years old. Now, we'll laugh about that today because we think if a song's six months old, it's out of date now. 
But there was, there was a mentality that that which carried weight, that which carried value, we learned much of our theology from the songs that we sang. And, those, and some of those songs preserved the integrity of theology in our lives. But we've become so faddish and so everything's just happening so fast because we, unfortunately, have bought into what the culture has bought into. And now we, we're this way with church. We're, the, we're this way with, with the, the Word of God, with teachings and doctrines that are coming down. We're this way with language. We're this way with stage presentation and looks and where now it's a show. And yet we've, we've become too cool for old school. But let me tell you something. There are some of you who right now, you need a word from God. You don't need something hip. You don't need something cool. And you don't need something that's relevant. You do need something that's relevant. But I'm talking about spiritually relevant and life-changing relevant. Can I get an amen? When the bottom drops out of your life, you're not too you're not too cool for old school anymore. So we're going to go back and we're going to talk about something that works. Not just something that's cool, hip, and, and faddish. We're going to get to something that works. And today, I believe you're going to get a word from God. And I'm just a mouthpiece here. I'm just a megaphone, sometimes a big megaphone. But I'm just a megaphone. I'm just the messenger. But I believe that God wants to get something to you today that's going to help you get a breakthrough in your life. Because some of you right now are hitting some walls, and I'm watching you be destroyed. And the same thing that frustrates Pastor Rich is frustrating me. I'm watching believers who used to know who they were, who understood their authority, forget who they are. And in the face of calamity, in the face of tragedy, in the the face of a setback, you're cowering back from the enemy. You've lost your fight. Some of you have lost your shout. I mean, my gosh, what more does Sammy have to do other than his head explode in front of all of us for us to get excited about the things of God? Some of you forgot who you were. And it's time to be reminded. Some of you forgot that you're a warrior. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, Jesus was both a lion and a lamb. But let me tell you something. We, yeah, we're all about the lamb, but there's a time to fight. And right now, you need a word that will help you fight because some of you are losing. I'm watching it. We get your cards week in and week out. We know situations. We meet with people. And let me tell you something. I'm mad. Not at you. I'm mad at the devil and I, because he's a liar. And I'm mad at the smoke screen he's thrown up in your life whereby you think you have to cower, you have to give in, and you have to accept the way things are. And I'll ask you the same thing that God asked Adam in the garden. When garden said, when Adam said, you know what, we're, we're naked and we're ashamed. And God said, who told you that? Who? Whoa, wait a minute. Who told you you were that? They had no prior knowledge of that. No shame. Pure innocence until sin came in and man fell. And all of a sudden they were aware. And I ask you the same thing. Who told you? You were losing. Who told you you should be ashamed? Who told you you should be condemned? Who told you that you're underneath and not above? Who told you that? Where did you buy into the lie? The Bible calls the devil a murderer, a liar, and the father of it. It says he was a murderer from the beginning. You think he stopped? 
Oh, he might not be able to take your physical life, but he will take your spiritual life and run it into the ground. Can I get an amen? Amen. Say, I love Coach Jimmy, authority of the believer. We're going to deal with this thing. I'm going to remind you of who you are, and we're going to get some fight on in this place. Can I get an amen? Some of you are going to get some tools today whereby this next week as you implement and execute, you are going to go over the top on some stuff. Who's ready to go over the top? Come on, stir yourself up. Don't sit there. I've heard this before. You need to hear it new. You need a new revelation. You need a heavy revy dropped on your head this morning. Amen? All right, the authority of the believer. Here's what the definition of authority is. Look at the screen. It literally means this, the power or right to give orders. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, you know, as a Christian, I'm supposed to be humble. We're not, this has nothing to do with lack of humility it has nothing to do with being meek in, in that sense of, of cowering back. It simply is in agreement with God's word. There's no pride involved here. It's simply the ability, the right which God has given us. And I'll prove it to you from the word. The power or right to give orders. That's what dominion and authority mean. The ability to rule and to reign. Look what it says. The power or right to give orders. To make decisions. You've been given the power and the right to make decisions. The, you've been given the power or the right to enforce Turn to your neighbor and say, you're, you're about to be an enforcer. Enforce rules, laws, or principles. Somebody said, you already are. So anyway, I, I heard that one coming. I don't know if I heard that in the spirit or I heard Pastor Rich say something like that. I don't know. All right, number one, look at this. If you're jotting the, no, 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 not if. You need to take notes today. What I'm about to tell you is going to help you win It's going to help you overcome. It's going to help you kick the devil's tail right back to hell. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number one. Number one, God creates, then delegates his authority to man. I'm going to go very quickly through these scriptures. Genesis 1. We already read it, so I'm not going to do it again. It says this. You've been made to have dominion. Dominion. Authority. Say, I have authority. Now turn to somebody and say, you have authority. Understanding this, if you're a Christ follower, you already have been given this authority. Well, wait a minute. Didn't something happen after this? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Man, number two, man in Adam sins and falls. Okay? We got the serpent. We got the fruit. We got the temptation. We got a giving in to the temptation. We've got the joining of where Adam joined Eve in the sin. He stood there. Wouldn't have happened if he had been the man he was supposed to be. Come on, somebody. Man, be careful. You don't blame the female for everything. If he had been the man and stepped up to the plate, it wouldn't have happened. Oh, boy. Don't make me go off on that rabbit trail. We're doing a marriage series in the fall. Hang in there. Hang on for a little bit. Man and Adam sins and falls. Genesis 3.19. Look at the screen. We're going to go fast. Then the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. This is Adam speaking. And I was, oh, Adam's suddenly afraid. He was never afraid before, but now he's afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He didn't know anything. He had no prior knowledge of that. And he said, who told you that? You were naked. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you? You think God knew what was going on? You think God was interrogating him because he didn't know? Hello. He says, come on. Come on, Adam. Work with me here. He says, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you should not eat? 
Then the man said, the woman. First big mistake right there, right, ladies? The woman. I mean, he blames her, then he blames God all in one sentence. Is this not typical of mankind? I'm going easy, guys. Mankind. The woman whom you gave me. Wow. I mean, in a few words, he's just captured the blame game. Is this not the spirit of the age? But Oprah, (gasps) my mom, my dad, I mean, it just goes on and on. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. I had to do it because she told me to. Okay, come on. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived. Everybody's blaming somebody else. You know, in our culture, okay, I'm not going to go there. Stop, stop. The woman said, this blame game, somebody's got to take responsibility. Oh, Lord, I and I alone have sinned. God, I messed up. Lord, I failed. I, I did it. I we're so powerless because we will not take responsibility. Okay, all right. All right, killed that rabbit, rabbit trail. Verse 13, and the Lord said, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So we see what happens. We've got dominion, authority given. Run of the garden except the one tree and man falls. Okay, so we have that. Now, Satan is allowed to rule on the earth. Now, all of a sudden, the enemy is given dominion. He's allowed to run the earth. Luke 4, 6. All right, let's go there, Randall. And the devil, someone say the devil. You know, it's funny. We, we never want to talk about the devil. Satan. Lucifer. Old scratch. You know, we don't ever want to talk about that. You know, we, we want to say, you know, the enemy, uh, the adversary. We want to make it nice. But at the end of the day, there's a real devil there who hates your guts and wants to see you fail miserably. He wants to see your marriage shattered. He wants to see your work life destroyed. He wants to see your relationships crushed. There's a real devil, folks. So the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you. Remember, this is where the enemy, the devil, was, was coming up against Jesus, led him into the desert to be tempted of 40 days. He says this, This is what the devil says. All this authority I will give you. Now, why did the devil say I can give Jesus authority? It's because he had been allowed to have it because man fell. Man handed the baton off. He defaulted. He gave it over. So the enemy gladly picked it up. All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me. The devil himself is saying, I have this authority. This has been given to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. Someone say, but Jesus. This is not the end of the story. Amen. All right. Paul Harvey says the rest of the story. All right. Number four. Jesus. Here's what you got to understand. The second Adam. You had the first Adam. Man and woman. And then you've got second Adam. Christ. He comes in and he redeems and restores. Understand, this is where this comes into. You've got to understand that Jesus took everything back. He rebooted this thing. He reset it. My gosh. He took this thing and said, I'm going to restore. I'm going to reboot this. I'm going to get it back the way it was intended to be. Do you know most Christians don't have a clue about this? 
Because we're just trying to hang on so we can get on the other side of Beulah land. Oh, if I could just hang on because it's so hard. If I can just manage. And all of a sudden, when you get the revelation that this thing has been reset, rebooted because of Christ, it changes the way you walk, changes the way you talk. It will change the way you pray. And it will change the way you worship. It'll change everything. Jesus, the second Adam, redeems the resource, 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. Someone say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next scripture. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. Paul's just saying, look, you got the natural, you got the spiritual. Adam was the natural, Jesus is the spiritual. He's saying, now look what happens. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Who is that? You can say the Sunday school answer, Jesus. It's Jesus, all right? Keep going. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. Okay? Makes sense, right? And as is the heavenly man, look at this, so also are those who are heavenly. Well, how do we get to be heavenly? Let's keep going. And as we have, look at this, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, that's us in Adam, pre-Christ, B.C., before Christ, look what it says, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Why? Because we are now in Christ, raised up, seated together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Where does that put us? Ephesians 1, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And all things are where? Under our feet. Oh, I don't think all you believe this yet. I'm going to keep proving it, all right? We're going to keep going. Number five. All right, here we got God creates, delegates his authority. Man and Adam sins and falls. Satan is allowed to rule on the earth. Jesus, second Adam, redeems and restores. Man, that's shouting ground right there. Now, number five. We have been made right in Christ, and we are now restored. Let me give you the word on that, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Now then, we are, say, I am. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're representatives. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now look at this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, Look what it says, here's why, in order that, or that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Turn to David and say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Woo, my, what? Are you serious? I've been made the righteousness of God? Yeah, here's the deal, you can't make yourself that. And some of you are trying to act right, act good, not sin, be perfect. It will never happen. But that's why we have an advocate with the Father. That's why we have a mediator. That's why we have an intercessor. Is this hitting anybody where they live? So you can't be made right. You can't make yourself right. You have to be made right by Jesus. And that's what Jesus did when he reset this thing. Took it back to zero. Said, I'm going to fix this thing. I'm going to zero this thing out. It's exactly what he did. Next scripture, Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. Lord, I'm about to preach. 
I may need some water. Is there some water somewhere? Can somebody just throw a bucket on me or something? All right. But God, look at this. Someone say, but God. Two amazing words in the scripture. You say, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. I say, but God. But Pastor, you don't understand what we're going through. But God. But you don't understand what's happening in my life right now. But God. But God. You should lay hold of this. But God. Now look what it says. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. My gosh, I get excited on this. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. Say, I was dead and now I'm alive. See, he made us the righteousness of God in Christ. Now he's making us alive. Do you get the fact? Thanks, champ. Do you get the idea that God is making some stuff? God is making things. You don't make yourself. He makes us. Made us alive together with Christ. Look at this. For by grace you have been saved. Someone say, thank God for grace. Raised us up together and made us. There, we're getting made again. Have you figured this thing out yet? It's not about what you're doing. Stop killing yourself trying to be right. You're not earning any brownie points with God. What happens is there's got to be a conversion in your soul where you quit trying to make yourself right and you just surrender to being righteous. Oh, God's making me righteous because I, left to myself, am dangerous. So now look what happens. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He raised us up. Now look what it says. That in the ages to come, the ages to come since his death, his, or since his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. Now look what it says. In the ages to come. We're in the ages to come, folks. Have you not figured it out? In the ages to come, he might show. Look what he's going to show. The exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm being made. I've been made right. I've been raised up. See, God is working on your behalf and you're killing yourself trying to do what he's already done. Is that not the height of foolishness? Someone say amen. amen. All right, listen to this. Our position of authority, right standing, and dominion have been restored because we are under the second Adam, Christ, not the first Adam. This is revolutionary because what it should do is help you understand, okay, I am not a slave to the world or the system of this world. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to the effects of the enemy. I am a child of God. In fact, the Bible even says I've been made to be holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. That there's no condemnation for me because why? I'm in Christ Jesus. So when there's no condemnation, when you've been made holy, you've been raised up, seated. My gosh, you should walk a little taller than you're walking right now. Can I get an amen? Now, God has given you authority to rule and to reign and to have dominion. In other words, it's time. This is coming from the coach. It's time to dominate your situation. And quit allowing your situation to dominate you. Somebody say amen before my head explodes. Marriage should be dominated by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. School, come on, somebody. 
you ought to walk into that school tomorrow and go, okay, we're kicking tail and taking names. I just got to say, but don't go in cocky. Go in there with Jesus all over you. No arrogance and, and never, uh, never mistake boldness for arrogance and never confuse the two for yourself. Because there's no pride in this. At the end of the day, we can do nothing apart from Jesus. Amen. John, I mean, so it's not even about us. It's about him living his life through us. He died for you, gave his life to you so he could live his life through you. So this is about him. Can I get an amen? We have his name. Listen to this. This is a quote. We have his name and his authority. The whole right to use someone's name is the whole right to his complete authority. You need to get a hold of this. We've been given this name, the name of Jesus, whereby that name, I mean, literally because of that name, every knee in heaven and on earth shall bow and give an account to him. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord because of that name. And we've been given that name. Your circumstance should not cannot, will not dominate you when you stand up with that name under that authority. Let me tell you the power of authority. The the authority is on a police officer when he walks out into the middle of a busy intersection and everybody stops because they see the uniform and they understand he's been authorized and deputized. He has been given authority and literally just by his very presence, he stops things, changes things, The the Bible word is rebuke. Our word is arrest. He can arrest, literally shut things down by his very presence. I know it works because I know how you are when you're driving on the highway too fast and you see a highway patrolman. Right, Bill? Everybody slows down. I mean, everybody, all of a sudden, I'm like, geez, at least drive the speed limit. You have to drive 30 Drive the speed limit, you won't be in trouble. But there is authority when you see that black and white car. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you revert to a 16-year-old, and all of a sudden you're in trouble again. I mean, you get nervous. Am I not? The, am I the only one that that happens to? I drive 70, 71. I drive the speed limit, and I still break out in a cold sweat when I see a highway patrolman. I'm doing nothing wrong. Why? Let me tell you why. Authority. I respect that authority. I honor that authority. I fear that authority. Driving on to Dice Air Force Base. Look, I'm just a civilian kid from West Texas, man. I'm scared of those guys. They have guns and stuff. You drive through there, and I'm like, I'm always afraid I'm going to do something wrong. I'm afraid I'm going to drive through the wrong line, or I'm going to get, in, and then they're going to come after me and throw me on the ground and, and strip search me in front of everybody. It's like I'm afraid I'm like going to get a gun in my head or something. Why? Because they carry what? Authority. Now, some of you military folks are laughing going, well, they're not really. But no, I'm serious. It's scary. I mean, when I walk onto that place, man, I respect the authority and the dominion of that territory. So when I'm there, I'm not on my ground. I'm on theirs. And I have to walk under that authority and under those rules. It's a different world. It's not like our world. When they say 30 miles an hour, they mean it. I mean, when they say, I mean, literally like one wrong turn, you're down the flight line with a B1 going, wait, I missed a turn somewhere. I mean, literally, you're in another world. Let me tell you something. 
When somebody comes into your world, they're in another world. You are the authority. Why is it that we live in intimidation and walk in intimidation and fear of the world when in fact, when in fact we create our own atmosphere? We've been talking about this. The power of the tongue, the battlefield of the mouth, and with it we set the tone. So why are you intimidated? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid of the devil? Boom! Everybody freaks out. Everybody's scared. Why? Because we bought into the lie that somehow he's still in authority. Do you not realize Jesus set this thing right? Do you not realize that Jesus died for a reason and it's not just so you can go to heaven? So heaven can come to you right now, right here. But you forgot. So what are you going through right now? What's going on in your life right now? What is it that's knuckling you under? Is it a marriage situation? Things aren't like they used to be. What is it? Your finances? Things aren't. Listen, let me tell you, Pastor Rich gave you the clue and the fix for your finances. It is to give and to sow. The kingdom is backwards. You knew that. What happened? God wasn't kidding when he talked about the tithe and offerings and sowing and those who sow bountifully or reap bountifully, those who sow sparingly. That's exactly how you, you will have whatever you sow. There will be a return according to how you give. It will be measured back to you as you measure it out. And you wonder why you're in lack. It's because you have forgotten your authority. Some of you sowed seed and never expected a harvest. What kind of farmer would that be? A dumb one. A pole farmer. Well, I'm going to go ahead and sow, but I'm going to go ahead and put this seed in the ground, but probably get nothing out of it. You know how it is every year. We get these, you know, these locusts come through and destroy my crops, and then we get tornadoes and hail damage. Probably won't get anything. Well, yeah, you'll have whatever you say. Some of you forgot your authority. I'm reminding you today. All I'm doing is reminding you of what God says about you. And this is reframing. Reframing. Because some of you forgot you're the head and not the tail. You forgot. All right, let's land the plane with this. What do we do with our authority? What do we do with it? Okay, great. Okay, I'm reminded. I'm stirred up. Now what do I do? I'm going to tell you what to do. Number one, walk in dominion over circumstances. Listen, you've got to remember, reframe your thinking. Wait a minute, I'm over this. I'm not under it, I'm over it. Reframe the way you think about your work. Walk into the place like you own it. Not with arrogance, not cocky, but with a sense of, you know what? This is my father's world. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I think he can handle this business. And you walk in with authority and go, I've got promotion on my life. I will have your job someday. You don't have to say it out loud. <laughs> don't set yourself up for disappointment there. But I mean, literally, I, I've got what it takes to run this place. I got, what is it? It's authority. It's, it's speaking the fact that Jesus is living in me. And that makes me big, not cocky. I don't know. I keep putting that disclaimer out authority over circumstances over your work over your relationships oh, man i could so go off on this 
We are so destroyed and devoured and ensnared by our words and by the words of others. We're going to spend the fall uh, doing a series called Don't Look Back. And it's, we're going to deal with how to cut off the curses and the word curses from bad relationships from your past. We're going to deal with how to, how to literally sever those things that keep holding you back, pulling you back, drawing you back. And we're going to talk about this whole issue of don't look back. Don't look back. And we're going to teach you how, with the Word of God, to literally sever the ties that bind you. Some of you need this more than others. Relationships, marriage. Wait a minute. I've been given authority over this. Not the devil. Since when did the devil have authority over your marriage? Since you let him. But you have to take it back and go, wait a minute. We stood before an altar. We stood before people, before witnesses, and before a holy God and declared this marriage would be built on the rock Jesus. We declared this was his. We set it up. We made vows. He, he ratified that covenant. Therefore, this is God's marriage, and I've been made the prophet, priest, and king. I'm taking authority over this thing. And in the name of Jesus, devil, get your hands off. Some of you forgot how to fight for your own marriage. Do what you got to do. Get Jermaine Copeland's little book, Prayers That Avail Much. There's a whole section on marriage in there. Don't expect God to move if you don't move towards Him. Don't expect God to heal if you don't take a step in faith and begin to initiate something. But if you sit back and wait for it to fall in your lap, it's not going to happen. Okay, I feel better. Excuse me. That's refreshing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My gosh. We, we, we sit and wait for things to come to us when God says, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. There, God calls us to initiate, initiate, be doers of the word. Don't just hear it. See, today, some of you will go out of here. No, I'm taking that back. In the name of Jesus, all of you are going to go out here and you're going to do this word. I'm not going to set anybody up. And you're going to go out and you're going to go, I, I'm going to try this. Okay, Lord, and you're just going to get the word, and you're going to read the word, get the word on it. Marriage is, man, I'm passionate about that. I'm mad about that. I'm mad at the devil because I'm seeing you get ripped off, and you don't have to. Someone say the devil's a liar. All you just did was say what God's word says, okay? You're not picking a fight. You're just saying what God says, amen? Stress, pain, sickness. Man, some of you forgot how to fight for your physical body. Some of us just said, oh, no, I guess maybe this is my lot in life. Whoa, wait a minute. Why is it that you would say, this is my lot in life. Maybe God doesn't want to heal me, but you're pumping aspirin right and left like that's going to do something. What, we, we have faith in one thing, but we don't have faith in God's ability to do, to move. Sometimes you just got to get crazy radical. But what if God doesn't? Well, what if God does? Wayne Gretzky, the greatest theologian ever. At least on this point. He said, I miss 100% of the shots I never take. I miss 100% of the shots I never take. Jimmy Pruitt, another great theologian, said, If you don't put the ball all the way to the hole, it will never go in. 
My son-in-law said, he hit that with your purse? Psalm 8, 3. Look at the word. Can we get the word on this? Listen. Get the word on this. When I consider your heavens, the psalmist writing, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Look at what it says this. What is man that you are mindful of him? What an awesome, honest question. What is man? What am I that you would even think about me? And the son of man that you would even visit me, that you would even spend time. Now look what it says here. This is huge. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Someone say a smidgen. Now, here's the thing. Theologians are divided on this word because it's actually the word Elohim, which means angels, which means God. And there's, there's confusion as to, because the New American Standard renders it angels. I mean, renders it God. In some translations, render it angels. Which is it? Are we a little lower than God or are we a little lower than the angels? Well, I'm not going to stand next to Michael and argue this thing because he's got a big flaming sword. But, but I will say this, that God's angels heed the voice of his word. And I've been given this treasury called the word whereby I can use it, execute it, exercise it, deliver it. And they have to heed my voice. The voice of his word. Oh, some of you didn't believe that. That's all right. You just keep living where you're living. I'm going to continue to move up and forward in Jesus' name. All right, listen to this. It says that you've made him a little lower than Elohim. You, you make it for yourself. Either way, we're big. Either way. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. That's what he's done for us. And you have made him. Who's him? Say that's us. It's a, you have made us to have dominion. Someone say authority. Dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things. Someone say all things. All things under his feet. So where are all things? Under our feet. Do you know that that's true whether you think it is or not? Because the truth's not contingent on what you believe. To quote a Cademan's call song. The truth is not contingent upon what you believe. Truth is truth. So it's still there. The problem is, is we don't act like it's truth. We don't act on that truth. We don't act on that word. We just hear it, but we don't do anything about it. You have to walk out your dominion. You have to walk out, live out your authority. Can I get an amen? All right. Confess your authority and dominion over the mountains. We're just going to read it. I cannot preach this. Confess your authority and dominion over the mountains. Let's just read the scripture. Listen to this. Jesus, after he shrunk, after he withered a fig tree with his words, he cursed it, empowered it to fail, and it died. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. One translation says, have the faith of God. For surely I say to you, whoever, someone say whoever. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a whoever. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. How many know the word's powerful? The word works, but you got to work the word. So you've got to confess your authority, your dominion. You've been given dominion over mountains. Anybody got any mountains that need to be moved? You got some stuff that needs to happen? 
Let me tell you something. That authority is going to be found in you understanding your authority, getting a revelation of this, and then executing and exercising it with your mouth. You will have whatever you say. Number three, establish and define your authority by, there it is, declaring the word. Man, I don't care what anybody thinks about me on this point, but I do believe in the power of the declared word because I know what it does inside of me. And I think I know what it will do in you if you will do it. So I want to read Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. And I want you to listen to this and allow this to percolate your spirit. Look what the promises are for God's people. Understanding this was originally written to the Hebrews that were in captivity, that were, that were on the way out. God had promises for them, and he was beginning to set them up for their deliverance. But let me tell you something. Those covenants and those promises are our covenants and promises according to Galatians chapter 3 and Romans chapter 4. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm going to read this. I'm going to blow through it, so get ready, Randall. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overrun you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in Potosi. Come on, somebody. Blessed shall you be, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase, someone say increase, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Just translate all this into today. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed. Remember what the word blessed means? Empowered to succeed. Not by American standards. Wipe that out of your brain. That means to become all that God has destined you to become. That's all that means. Don't get all Americanized on me, okay? Blessed, empowered to succeed and become all God's called you to be. Shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. That pretty much covers it all. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you, look at this, to be defeated before your face. You want to get in my face? Look what it says. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Man, they just got divided seven times. Scattered. The Lord will command the blessing, the empowerment to succeed on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you. He will empower you to succeed in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Someone say, that's mine. Come on, by faith, say, that's mine. Listen, if you've never acted in faith before, this is a good time to say, it's mine. Okay, how hard is that? The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord. Notice the conditions. It's covenantal. And your God, of your God, and walk in his ways. There's, there's covenant promises here. Then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. That means they will be in reverential awe of you. There will be reverence, respect. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens. Someone say, that's mine. 
to give the rain to your land in its season. Notice it says in its season. And to bless all the work of your hand, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Someone say, that's mine. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you today and are careful to observe them. Verse 14. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. And everybody said, those are, that is your list of confessions. You want to get the word on it? Get that word on it. It would behoove you to read the rest of the chapter because it flips the script and says, but if you don't heed the voice of the Lord, if you do turn away from these things to the right and left, then these curses will come upon you and you will be empowered to fail. Do you know there are Christians all around walking under curses? Now, again, understand when I say that, I'm not talking about some some weird, mystical, magical a spell that's been cast on you. It simply means this, an empowerment to fail. I look around and I see Christians leading defeated lives every day. And I'm like, it ought not be so. Because we've been given this. It's as though we say the cross wasn't enough. The blood isn't enough. Jesus' death is not enough. This word which has been preserved is not enough. It's just not enough. This ought not be so, brethren. Can I get an amen? amen? Last one. Here's what we do. Let's do what Jesus did. He says, I've given you this. Now here's what you do with this. Mark 16. I call this the great omission as opposed to the great commission, which everybody's all about. Ooh, make disciples. Woohoo. But wait a minute. There's some other things that go along with that. And Mark is careful to record those. Later, he, Jesus, appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So Jesus says, look, we need to straighten something out before we go any further. So here's what happens. And he said to them, now he gives them the great commission, the great mandate. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And everybody said, oh, wait, there's more. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Everybody says, amen. Yeah, that's good. Good. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Yeah, we understand that if you don't accept Jesus, you don't believe, you'll, you've got condemnation, right? That's the end, right? Oh, wait, there's more. It's like a Ronco commercial. But wait, there's more. And these signs will follow those who believe. Someone say, that's me. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you believe? Now, if you believe, this stuff's going to follow, okay? What follows those who believe? It says, in my name. Remember, we started this thing saying that the authority that we walk in is based on the name of Jesus. That's where the authority is. It's in his name. Look what it says. In my name. Whose name? Jesus' name. In my name, they will cast out demons. Can we just call them what they are? We'd rather disguise things and contemporize it to the point where it has no relevance because we don't have demons anymore. We just have issues. We don't have demons anymore. We just have bad habits. 
we have demons anymore. We just have, you know, things passed down from generation to generation. You know, it's just, we have behaviors now instead of demons. No, actually, we have demons with assignments to take you out and destroy your witness in the earth so that when you stand before God, he'll say, I wanted to say, well done, good and faithful servant, but I've got to say, come on, limp on in. Come on. Can you get a, oh me? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Wait a minute, we're supposed to do this stuff? Why do we apologize for what the Bible says we're supposed to do? Why do we want to smooth this over and make it like, well, but you know, we got to make it palatable for everybody. Do we really? I thought we're supposed to be different than the world. We're trying so hard to look like the world and be relevant that we've become powerless. Maybe something about us is supposed to be different. Those crazy tongue-talking charismaniacs. I don't know about that, but let me tell you something. When the bottom drops out of somebody's life and their child's on their deathbed, they're going to go find the crazy tongue-talking Pentecostal charismatic who will believe God to heal that child. Why? I know that's true because it's happened. Because I'm telling you, when the bottom drops out, you need power. You need solutions. You need to move some mountains. Can I get an amen? It says they will take up serpents if they drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. My gosh, this is huge. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These signs are supposed to follow those who believe. If they're not following us, it may be because we're not really believing believers. Just a question. Can we have the worship team come up? We're a little over time. Are you okay? I know I've been bold today. I've been strong today. But I believe, I told our prayer time today, I just made a comment. I said, I think that what I'm teaching right now and, and even today may be the most important thing I've ever said from this pulpit. And the reason, I want everybody to look at me for a second. Look at me. Some of you are losing this thing. And I love you. And it angers me that the devil is kicking your tail all over the place. Now, I grew up in West Texas, and somebody messes up with one of my family, then I'm jumping in. I mean, I may not like my uncle, but somebody messes with my uncle, I'm in. That's the way I grew up with that blood is thicker than water thing. Kin, I mean, we're next to kin. We're kinfolk, which means we fight for one another, which means when I see you losing, it makes me angry, and I want to fight. But I can't fight by just coming up and giving you a nice hug. Can we just all do a group hug today? Can we just hold hands? And sometimes you just got to fight. Sometimes if I see a devil on your back, I need to get a running start and just take him out. But we're so nice in church in America. We don't want to be messy. We don't want to be foolish. We don't, we got to be dignified. After all, this is the South and we want to be proper and appropriate. But when you're getting killed spiritually, appropriate and proper may need to go out the door because something's killing you. If you come up on somebody, you come up on a scene and a woman is being raped by a man, are you going to be prim and proper about it? Or are you going to go take the dude's head off? Are you going to go destroy somebody and repent later? You're going to take care of business. And I see people in this church getting defeated 
And some of you that are getting defeated right now, I've known you long enough that you know these things, but you forgot. You forgot. I'm not mad at you. I am mad at the devil. And I am passionate about reminding you of who you are so you can fight this good fight and I'll contend with you fight with you, believe for you I'll continue to tell you you can do it if I have to get in your face I'll get in your face but it's because I'm tired of seeing you lose because it's not your heritage it's not what God intended we're doing a series in the fall also called Winning in Life where we're going to spend a few weeks. We're going to teach you how to win. Here's the foundation of it right here. It's this word. It's this authority. But here's the deal. You don't have to wait until October to start walking this out. It's already here right now. Well, how do I actually activate it, Pastor? Let's all stand to our feet. It's so simple that we miss it because we think we got to get some bazooka gun out and make it happen no here's what you do you take your mouth you take god's word and you take the authority of jesus name and you say something like this in the name of jesus i declare that i am the righteousness of god in christ jesus i've been given authority i've been authorized i've been deputized to walk in his word and walk in his ways. I declare that his will is my will. His desires are my desires in the name of Jesus. And according to that name and based on the authority of this word, I further declare that I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. Everything I put my hands to increases according to God's word. And as his child, that is my right, my inheritance. I furthermore declare in the name of Jesus that the devil is a liar and the father of it. And that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And we have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I also declare in the name of Jesus... That no weapon formed against me shall prosper, for this is my inheritance as a saint. As one called of God, I've been made holy, blameless, and above reproach. There is therefore now no... I mean, you can just go and go... Now, here's the deal. The Word works, but you got to work the Word. And here's the deal. There are no shortcuts here. you got to know the Word. you got to know the Word. And we're going to spend as long as it takes. If we need to do a series for eight years, we'll do a series for eight years. Whatever it takes, we're going to stay on this because you have got to get victory. You have to. You are not a witness for Jesus because you're getting your tail kicked all the time by the enemy. That does not glorify God. And it's real popular right now to talk about all the suffering and all the, oh, I'm just so down, I'm a worm, God's everything, I'm nothing. Wait a minute, if I was not, if I'm a nothing, then why did Jesus die for me? If I wasn't precious as his sight, if I wasn't fearfully and wonderfully made, why would the blood of Jesus have to be spilled for a worm?